Today's Old Testament readings come from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6, and chapter 22, verses 1 to 8, and can be found on pages 15 and 22 of the Church Bibles. Chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit the est my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Verse 22, oh, chapter 22, verse one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants, and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, to Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. This is the word of the Lord. Today's New Testament readings come from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 12 and 17 to 19, and can be found on pages 1,209 and 1,210 of the church Bibles. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, 
who was past childbearing age was enabled, enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the sh at the seashore. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice, sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, welcome to each one of you who is here this day with us. It is almost the end of January, 2023, and we're very thankful for all that God is doing and has done among us. Also, like to welcome all of you who are joining us via Zoom this morning, and of course, would invite you as soon as you're back from your travels and/or your situation is at the place in life where you can join us again in person. We would love to see you, and particularly as it's the end of January and Easter is. 9th of April, which means in the next months, many, many, many more things are happening here at IPC as we move to that very important part of our annual celebration with what God has done. So I'd encourage you, look forward to meeting each one of you. Now this morning, I want to continue with our, and I will take off my clock, although it really doesn't mean a whole lot. Did I ever tell you about when our <coughs> mission leader had a person who he had preached a bit long? He tended to be a long-winded past preacher. And a man stood at the back with his clock like this, waving it back and forth and waving it like that to get the idea you've gone on too long. And he shouted out, praise God, there's a man wanting to donate his watch to missions. <laughs> so I... Uh, my mentor is not probably the most Swiss in the world, but we appreciate that. Now, the reason I take it off as well is as we are doing this series on foundations, remember the idea is we're going to look at different persons in the Old Testament, and we want to study there how God has revealed himself to them, their relationship with God, and to see what did God do in these lives? Because it becomes foundational. Because then you've seen, even like last week, there are many times that even the Lord Jesus will refer back to these persons in the Old Testament as he shares and teaches. And other truths that come which are linked immediately back to the lives and the experience with God that these persons had and are recorded for us in God's Bible. We began two weeks ago with Adam and Eve. Remember, created from the dust of the earth and the eternal God breathing into them the breath of life. And they became an eternal living soul. 
the only one in creation that could have this relationship with God, where God came and he spoke with them, he talked with them, walked with them every evening. And yet he created them with free will. And through that, because he didn't want them to love him like a robot, but rather that love came from the very depth of their heart. And they then, with this free will, listened to temptation and chose not to obey God, but to go their own way. And in that moment, they spiritually died. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so then we went on to Noah last week. And Noah, where sin, as it began, said sin had so increased that the heart of every human was corrupt and desiring the part of sin rather than God. But then there's amazing verse, but Noah found grace or mercy or favor in the eyes of God. Because he was, as it says, he was righteous in a wicked world. He was blameless the way he lived before his friends and, and neighbors in, a, in that world. And he walked with God. And he raised his family to follow God in that world. And in that account of Noah, there comes an ark. And the covenant with Noah is, if you, Noah, now get into the ark that God has provided, you and all who enter with you will be saved. And Jesus in his sermon says, and just like it was in the day of Noah, it will be before the Son of God returns. Now, this morning, we want to talk about or study the person of Abraham. And the struggle with Abraham is, listen, the, he begins, his account begins in Genesis 11 is the genealogy leading up to him. Then all the way up through chapter 22 is his death and burial. So he has 14 plus chapters that are all about him. That's amazing. He's a very important person in the Old Testament. Of course, he is also the one who is the father of the Hebrews, but through faith... He is the father of all of those who trust God by faith. Then, not only is he in those chapters in Hebrews, excuse me, in the Old Testament in Genesis, but then he's mentioned many times in Jesus' sermons in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, about a quarter of that chapter is given over to Abraham. And Paul uses him in Romans chapter 4, and one of the verses that was read to us, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him, or it was credited to him as righteousness, that word that means ju uh, justification, that God then brought him into that relationship with him. It becomes one of the very most important verses of the whole Bible, because upon it, Paul explains to us how faith works. What does it mean to believe God? And what will God do as God sees that we believe him? And he repeats that in Galatians chapter 3. 
And one commentator I read said that according to their research, the very name of Abraham is mentioned 230 times in the Old and New Testament. So if we just read the verses that included his name, we would still be here during the coffee hour. So what am I going to do? Well, this morning, I want to take from the Bible just three incidents that are recorded for us about Abraham. Then I want to us to look briefly at how the New Testament takes that situation happening of Abraham's life, the working of God, how the New Testament takes it and applies it or explains it or clarifies for us what it means. So in chapter 12 of Genesis, this was not read to us this morning, but it provides a foundation to all we have listened to already. There in verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will give to you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That amazing final verse, all the peoples of the earth. And the New Testament is going to take that phrase and explain to us that as Jesus comes as a descendant through the line of Abraham and down through the Jewish lines, the house of Judah and the house of David, then he will explain to us that this Savior who has come is not only for the Jewish people, but for all. Now, the very practical thing in chapter 12 is God says to, know, to, excuse me, to Abraham, Abraham, leave and follow me to where I'll show you when we get there. How do you like that? Leave what you know. If you've ever been to Haran, of course, they just have the mound of the city. It's in southwestern Turkey in today's world but they don't have anything. There's a village outside, but just the mound. But he said there was his life. There was where his heritage was. But he said, leave that and then journey with me and I will show you where you go as you walk with me. Now listen to how what was read to us in the book of Hebrews takes that and defines it for us. It says there, we were read to us beginning in verse 8 from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And he lived, it says in the next verses, like a stranger in a foreign land. Anyone here living like a stranger in a foreign land? Might apply to us. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. What the, the way the New Testament explains this example of Abraham's life to us is God asked him, leave, let go of what you know, walk with me, and I will show you what I will give you. But God didn't say, this is where we're going first. He had to let go 
And he had to follow and obey. And that's what it says, by faith he obeyed. Can I just ask you this question? If any of us seated here, has God ever in your life, in your spiritual walk with him, asked you to leave? Whatever that might be. And to walk with him to that place that you do not know where you're going, but you know it's a walk with God. And if you have experienced that, those of you who have said, yes, Lord, and have walked, you know what that's all about. If there are any among us who we have heard the voice of God, and when God said, leave and let go, and walk with me to where you do not know, but we said, I don't think so. I am too busy at this point in my life. Or whatever other reasoning seemed to be very logical to us. I, all I can say to you is this. You cannot replay life. But if there is this moment when you say, oh, I wish I would have. If only. Then all I can say to you is God loves God is faithful. You cannot replay life and start from where one was, but we can begin today and follow God with our whole hearts. That is what he says about Abraham as Abraham moved through this. So he learned to trust God and God led him. Now, the verses that were read to us, so that's number one experience. He learned early to follow and obey God. Then in, verse, in chapter 15 comes a second point. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham as was read to us. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. I am your reward. And then in verse 2, you have this amazing question that Abraham asks back to God. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? In other words, you say, Lord, you're promising me all of this heritage of people and nations. But I don't have any kids. And if I understand, <coughs> excuse me, correctly, a genealogy means offspring. And he said, you know, I'm old. And my wife is old. Humanly, it's impossible. And literally what he says, did you catch the words? By the way, God, what can you do? Ever been in a situation where we take a look at life just as Abraham did and we look at the reality of where we are and who we are and we say, what can you do about that, God? And God then, it says, took him outside of the house or the place in which he was and he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. You see, no, excuse me, Abraham had followed God. He had obeyed. He'd found that God led providentially in his life and brought him to that point. But now he came to another level of faith where he had to believe that even though within his own experience of life, it is impossible that God is still a God of miraculous things. He can make happen what he has promised, even if physically it seems absolutely impossible. Because verse 6, that most famous verse in the Old Testament, I think, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him 
as righteousness. There came that moment in the heart of God of Abraham when he said, yes, God has promised, and now I believed that God is a God of miraculous. God can do that. And that's exactly what, as we read further in, in the New Testament, it describes this very event. Paul takes it up in Romans chapter 4 as he explains to us how faith works. In the first verses of Romans 4, he says, What shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter regarding faith? He says, If Abraham, what he did was works, he just obeyed the rules and regulations, then there's no reason for boasting because that's what he did. But it says here, But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him in righteousness or as righteousness. Credited to him. Sometimes in Old English that's translated reckoned. Meaning God added up all of the sums like in math. And you add all of these up and you draw the line. And what is left under the line? In this case it is belief that turns into righteousness or as righteousness is sometimes also translated in our Bible, it is belief that turns into justification that no longer guilty before God. Because he goes on and he says, it's not the one who works, but the one who trusts God who is justified the ungodly. Their faith is credited to them as righteousness. And then he goes on in verse uh, 6 and he describes not only has he said this, so what he's saying there is just as Abraham believed God and God credited to his account, to his person, that word credited as well is, is a very deep word. It means it's a working of God. Grace. It means it's the way God imputes or gives or transfers to him. He credited it to him. And then he quotes from David from Psalm 32 where he says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. This is what it means. God is transferring that to us. He sees that his son Jesus has died for us and as we believe that, then he transfers, he credits that to our soul. Eternal life. You see, at the end of Romans 4, he explains it again. Yet he did not waver through unbelief, realizing that he was an old person and his wife was old as well. Physically they couldn't do it, but it goes on. Regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had the power to do what he had promised. You see, chapter 12, obey, he obeys. At the beginning of chapter 15, he finds that it's not just obedience that's enough. I need to believe that God is almighty and powerful and God can do the miracle. And here in Romans chapter 4, at the end of that chapter, Paul says, and here Abraham believed God had the power to do what he had promised. 
And then he goes on and says, and the words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but for us also, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So that, as I said, probably the most important verse in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Paul takes that verse and builds the whole theology of how it works when we believe God, that God has the power, that God is the one who keeps his promises. And God will forgive. And remember no more our sin. It reminds me in just a moment we're going to have communion. Which celebrates the new covenant. And you get to the end of that after God says. And I will be your God. And you will be my people. And I will put my, my, my word into your minds. I will write it upon your heart. And you will not need all to teach you. For I will teach you. And then he closes with. And I will remember their sins or their iniquity no more. The commitment of God is not to remember, not to when you stand before the throne at the final day, when we give account for our lives, not to call up that which has been forgiven. And Abraham begins that. Now one other verse. Are we okay? You're very quiet out there. You okay so far? I'm sorry that we're covering so many things, but you are very good people at remembering and taking notes, so... Um, you can reread these chapters when you have time this afternoon. It's cloudy, gray, cold. You're going to need a cup of coffee and a nice chair and your Bible. That's all we need. Now, in chapter 22, which was read to us, and I won't repeat reading what was read to us because that talks about God asking him to go and sacrifice his son whom he knew through this son was going to come the promises. And he had just seen the power of God, the miraculous working of God in his own body, in the body of his wife to produce this son of promise. And then you just get here the amazing bit as he then, to me, as they head up the mountain when he tells his assist, two servants who have come with him to stay with the donkey and they will go and worship and come back. Amazing statement of faith. But then this incredible statement of the son. Father, we have wood and fire are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the, for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. And if you follow through, you will find then they build the altar. He puts the wood on the altar. He binds his son. He lays his son on the altar. He raises the knife which he has carried all the way up the mountain. And then just as he's ready to sacrifice him as God has asked him to do, the angel of God or the voice of the Lord comes from the heavens and says, Abraham, Abraham, do not touch the boy. And there's this incredible statement. For the voice of God through the angel says this to him, Now I know that you fear God. Oh my. 
I thought it was all about faith. But you see, there comes this moment when not only does God lead and we follow and we find that God is good. And not only do we under, we come to moments when it takes a miraculous movement by God to show that he is God and we are human. And he works in our lives. But it comes this moment when we also have a faith which like Noah in reverent fear, in holy fear, here in this serving, this loving fear of I believe God. And God answered. And they looked, and of course, and there's the sheep, the ram, caught by its horns. They went over, took the sun off, put the ram on, substitute sacrifice. And verse 14, so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And today it is said on the mountain the Lord will provide. That's verse 14 as you're reading through it. And you will notice in your English translation as well as in the original that when his son turned to him and said, we have the wood, we have the fire, where is the sacrifice? He turns to his son, and there the English is very simple. He said, God, if you read in the original, it is Elohim, Jireh. God will provide. In verse 14, in English it's different. In the original it's different. There in English it's capitals. Jehovah, Jireh. That means my personal God will provide. The one who's made a covenant with me. He's not just the almighty in heaven. The one who's created it all. The one who keeps it running. The one who will judge the end. But he's my God. My personal God. Who has promised to me. And he has fulfilled it. You see in chapter 15. How did he come to that? experiencing this personal moment, believing, and then it happened. Oh, my. There's a book we could write of all those things, aren't there? Well, let me, as we close, just go to chapter 15 one more time. Because in chapter 15, there are two questions. The first question from Abraham comes in verse 2, where Abraham says, what can you do? This is my situation. And then in chapter 15, verse 8, Abraham asks his second question of God. But there he says, Sovereign Lord, and he uses the term Jehovah. How can I know that I shall gain possession of it? How can I know? You see, the first question is, what can you do? A miraculous movement of God. And now the question comes, but me, it's like the leper coming to Jesus I know you can heal me if you will. And so Abraham's question back to God is, how can I know you will do this? How can I know? And if you read the rest of chapter 15, beginning there, as it starts with verse 9 and onward, it describes a sacrifice. This is a special sacrifice. It's called a blood covenant. He instructs him to, to, to build two altars, one here, one here. He instructs him to take animals to sacrifice, cut them in half, half here, half there. And the way a blood covenant works, you can Google this and look through it. It's still used in some parts of our world yet today. 
It was often used when someone came into a territory and they met with the leaders of that territory. They had a blood covenant and their safety was guaranteed with their life all across their territory. A blood covenant, what happens, why it's called a blood covenant, you have these two sacrifices. Then the two who are agreeing, what you do is you, you, you stand each, near each other, you take your hands and you clasp hands, and then you slash along here the forearm, and the blood of the two run down into the clasp hands. The blood mingles, and as the blood, as you walk, then what happens is the two join together, walk between the two altars. And they say, and I guarantee with my life may happen to me what has happened to these sacrifices if I do not fulfill my promise to you. And the beautiful thing about this is it says, as Abraham built the altars and laid the sacrifices on them, as you read the verses this afternoon, you'll find that then God puts him asleep. And when it comes a moment for the two to pass down between the two altars, to make this blood covenant, guaranteeing it with my life. The way the writer to Hebrews says about the new covenant, it says when there was nothing else, God had said, I will, and then by his name he swore, I will. And here God puts him asleep, and God himself, it says, the torch, the burning light, walks through the two altars. God himself, with his own life, guaranteed Abraham. I will keep my promise. And there came a day when in the Son of God, God kept that promise as never before. When the Son of God, fully God, fully man, offered his life for your and my soul. God kept that. And how's Paul write it in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10? If we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, he was crucified and raised, and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. And in verse 10, he explains it. He says, for we believe, remember the word believe, in our, with our hearts, and God counts that to us as justification, righteousness. And we confess with our mouth to do salvation. Abraham is an important person in the scriptures. Because it's his life that gives us the example of God counting belief. Crediting that to our soul, spirit in the form of eternal life and righteousness. May I just ask you today. Where are you in your journey with God? I could imagine that all of us go through moments when we need to obey and simply follow. Moments when we need to trust God for something beyond human ability. But there's also a moment when we need to trust and believe that God has fulfilled his promise. Because our eternal life depends on Jesus who died and rose from the dead. When God fulfills his covenant. And it's written, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, not only for Abraham, but for all of us who believe that God sent Jesus to die for us. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you this morning, this afternoon, for your presence here with us, and we thank you for this record of Abraham that's been recorded throughout the Bible. And most of all, we thank you, Lord, that you, almighty God, were his personal God. You kept your promises. You did the miraculous when needed. You led him. You directed him. You blessed him. You kept him. And thank you, Lord, that through your grace and love and mercy, he believed. And thank you, Lord, that your Bible teaches us that we, seated here together, we do the same thing this morning. We look and we see what you have done. We know who you are as you reveal yourself to us. And Lord, we believe that this is true. That you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to redeem us. But then, Lord, you don't leave us there, but you walk with us. You put your spirit within us, crying out, Abba, Father. We worship you today. And I pray for each of us who are here. May this truth about believing you and then you crediting that to us as righteousness as no longer guilty of our sin. May each person here know that in all reality. Guide us and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to celebrate communion together. And as it speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says there, Paul writes, and on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body which has been broken for you. And so this bread, then it goes on and says, and they took the bread and they ate the bread. So this bread reminds us as a symbol every time we take this that Jesus died in our place. He took our sin. It was all transferred to him as he writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. And God nailed all of our iniquities, all that was between us and him to the cross, literally placed it upon the body of Jesus that he died for us, taking away our guilt that God could forgive us as he says, and I will remember no more your sin. And then later in the meal, this Passover meal, almost at the end, they have this cup which is called the cup of redemption because it says after they'd eaten, he took this cup, he poured out, and he said, this is the cup, is the new covenant in my blood. I just mentioned that a few moments ago where God says, and this is the covenant I will make with my people I will be their God and they will be my people. I will put my law in their minds. I'll write it on their heart. And each one will know me because I will teach them. And then the final phrase is, and I will remember their sins no more. And that amazing thing, God is committing himself. Even though there are many reasons why he could, very justifiably, he is committing himself that when I forgive, I will never call it back. It is forgiven and gone. And that's why we celebrate that and celebrate this together. Now, Paul goes on and writes, and let everyone then take a moment. Well, take a moment is my translation, but 
He says, let everyone examine themselves. And so I ask you in the name of Jesus to take a moment. He doesn't ask us to stay away. He asks us rather to examine ourselves. And if there's anything in heart and soul as you examine yourself, or better said, allow God's spirit to examine you, then would you just so simply bring that before him? Because Jesus died, that's the promise. Everything was transferred from us to him. And if there is that speaking of God's spirit and conviction, then you open your heart, give it to him. If you've never done that in your life, now is the time to do that. And then come and partake. So the way that we will do this is I will, there will be two standing here with the bread and cup, two here, and then two will come up to you in the balcony with the bread and the cup. To help, if you could then take and eat the bread quickly as you're here and drink the cup and put the cup back into the container here, that will help us. And then just keep moving, come on the outsides and move back. So let me pray, and then we will begin. Father, thank you for those who are all here today. It's amazing truth, Lord, the account of Abraham, that he believed God, believed you, and it was counted to him as, credited to him as righteousness. Oh, Lord, that's such an amazing demonstration, example of the loving kindness of God, the grace, the love, the mercy, that you who sees the hearts in the very depth of each man and woman. You know, you see, you understand. And Lord, thank you that as we believe, you count it to us, you reckon it to us, you credit to us as righteousness. In Jesus' name.